0: Amen. Good morning, everybody. Morning. So we're continuing our series on prayer. Uh, but let me say up front, I have no desire this morning to educate you on prayer. Uh, what I have a passion for is to fuel, to encourage, to help you to engage in this full, rich, passionate prayer life for your life that you would have that experience for yourself. And so we've been studying through the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. If you have a Bible, you can turn there, uh, starting in verse 9, as a way to kind of help us learn and also experience. Are you with me? And so we've been kind of working our way through it. And let me start with, you know, we talked about our Father in heaven which is very sweet that we have a father in heaven and that he's holy and that he makes us holy. That's sweet too. Your kingdom come. Of course we want your kingdom to come because you're holy and you're our father. Your will be done. Uh, Okay. Now he's getting a little private, personal there on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Give us today our daily bread. We love that idea. Love food. But this next part of the prayer, I got to tell you, uh, it's hard. I don't want to pray it. And we're going to have to take some time and take it apart because what Jesus, this is Jesus saying, I want you to pray this way. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Let me translate that for you. Jesus, in the exact same way that I forgive everybody in my life, would you forgive me that way? Oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> the reason I cringe at that is because I'm not good at forgiveness, and neither are you. It's hard. Okay, third grade. Martin Park Elementary School. All right, my best friend was Jeffrey Jones. And man, we were two peas in a pod. Like, we were inseparable. We did everything together. You know, every weekend I was at his house or he was at my house. His mom dated Elvis. Another story. But anyway, (laughs) Jeffrey knew that February the 14th was coming up. And February the 14th is what? My heart had fallen hard for the most magical third grader on the entire planet named K.K. Wilson. And on February the 14th, I was going to give her a Valentine's. And in that Valentine's, I was going to ask her to go steady with me. This was my big moment where I was going to announce my love for her and risk, because love is risky. I'm going to risk her saying yes or no. So Jeffrey was like, yeah, man, you do it. And he helped me think about it. He's my bud. And so I walked to school because we didn't have cars back then. And so I get to school and Jeffrey had beat me to school only to find out that Jeffrey had prepared his own Valentine's card for K.K. Wilson. And in that card, he was gonna ask, and he did ask K.K. if she would go steady with him, and she said, yes. (laughs) You laugh now. (laughs) It was a betrayal like I'd never known before. And I wasn't gonna let this pass, because after that school, because we didn't have cars. I walked to his house, you know, and I confront him. Like, how could you do this? I thought for sure he was gonna fall on his knees and repent and say, I'm so sorry, it was just a joke. Instead, he hit me with a bow, like a bow and arrow. Like he hit me with a bow. I left his house and all the way home, I was walking home going, I will never talk to him again. I will never be his friend again. This is unforgivable. That's a third grader. You got stories like that? Yeah, you do. Unless you live in a cave somewhere. Because if you live around people, you've got stories like that. And some of you have really, really dark stories. Stories where you've really been hurt. Like people have sinned against you in ways that it's hard for you to talk about. I get it. But let me tell you about this community right here. If this is going to be a real community, if this is going to be an authentic community, if it's going to be a vulnerable community, like if we're going to be in a live church and being a live church means I see you and I let you see me. We have got to learn how to forgive because I'm telling you that anytime you get close to other people, they're going to sin against you. Scotty Smith used to say the church is just a bunch of porcupines huddling up on a cold night trying to stay warm. Somebody's <laughs> going to get stuck. And it's true. Like, honestly, if you get to know me well enough, I'm going to sin against you. And if I get, you well, get to know you well enough, you're going to sin against me. And how we deal with forgiveness really, really matters. Because if we deal with it poor, we're going to take a step back from one another instead of taking a step toward one another. Instead of living out something profound, we're actually going to live out something that's so incredibly normal, so incredibly ordinary, so complet- incredibly like every other place in this world that when people walk in here, it's going to not be any different than their family, their experience in their neighborhood, or the workplace. Unless we did something different, we practice forgiveness. All right, you ready? This is gonna get real personal. Because I'm gonna ask each of you to come up here and tell me who you need to forgive. <laughs> Some of you are like, finally <laughs> AA in the service. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think for a minute. Who do you need to forgive? Who is somebody in your life that you really struggle to forgive right now? Who do you not want to forgive? Let me try to help you with your eyes closed. Just think about this. You may not be forgiving if you use what that person said or did did as a topic of conversation. You may not be forgiving if you daydream about getting revenge or some kind of justice that you want them to receive. You may not be forgiving if you preoccupy your mind day in and day out, reliving and dwelling on the situation of that person's behavior. You may not be forgiving if you get annoyed if someone even mentions that person. You may not be forgiving if you have a tendency to avoid them, that you don't wanna see them at church and you go to the other service. You may not be forgiving if you secretly delight when you hear of their struggles, their losses, or even their failures. You may not be forgiving if you strongly believe that you've been unfairly treated and that you're an innocent victim. And you may not be forgiving if your friends or your family are tired of hearing you talk about them. Okay, come back to me. Keep that in mind, we're gonna come back to it, all right? but let's keep going. Let's, let's, we're going to hang on to that person, persons. Maybe it's a lot of people. I don't know, but hang on to it because let's go to the prayer. And the, the prayer starts with forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts. This is repentance this is the normal part of who we are. We're coming to God and we're saying to God, I've blown it. I've sinned against you and I'm asking you to forgive me. And here's, what's crazy. And I love this part of the prayer. I mean, this part of the prayer is like the, like the fat part of the bat. It is so sweet because the way Jesus deals with my sins is radical. It is like unbelievable grace. When Christ went to the cross, he took all my sins with him to the cross. And when he died on the cross, when he said, it is finished, what he said is, I have paid for every one of those sins. You are completely forgiven. And when he rose again, Romans 6 says, we rose with him to newness of life. You know what that newness of life is? Forgiven. Completely and absolutely forgiven. That God promises, I will never, ever, ever, ever deal in wrath for you ever again. I will only deal with you in grace and love, and I will treat you like I treat Jesus, my son, because you are forgiven. It's just as if we have never sinned. We are justified. It is absolutely unbelievable that Jesus has thrown my sins as far as the east is from the west. And if you don't know this, it's not north to south, because if you go north, eventually you're going to go south. Like, there's a limit to north and south. East, you just keep going east, you're never going to stop going east. Like, it's endless. And that's what Jesus is saying. I will remember your sins no more. He forgives me for my past sins. He forgives me for the present sins that I'm committing right now. And he forgives me for all my future sins. Because on the cross, all my sins were future. That's how radical God's forgiveness is. Actually, in 2 Peter chapter 1, if you've never read this chapter, you should go read it. Because it's talking about how to live the Christian life, like this journey of being a Christ follower. And it's talking about the power and the steps and the way we mature. And this is, but there's one thing that's gonna get in the way of that. One thing that's gonna keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your walk with Christ. One thing. You know what that one thing is? You have forgotten that you have been forgiven and cleansed from all your past sins. When we forget that the, the forgiveness that Jesus gives me is this radical, complete, absolute forgiveness. When I forget that, it interrupts my maturing in Christ. It actually keeps me from being effective even in my faith. Because let me tell you what happens. When I embrace the radical nature of Christ, and if we embrace the radical nature of God's forgiveness for us, people might come in here and go, wow, those people at Midtown, they abuse the forgiveness of Jesus. That's how radical this forgiveness is. It would appear that we abuse it. We're so free in it. Because if I am free, if I am forgiven, I'm going to own my sin. I'm going to confess my sin. I'm actually going to learn with you how to put my sin down. And here's the crazy thing. I will declare that that sin has no more power over me. You don't think that's transformative? Huge. It's huge. And when we cheapen that, when we shrink that, when we make forgiveness something smaller than it is, we become ineffective and unproductive. Because I know I've been in church, you guys have been in church for a while. You know how, well, you know, Jesus forgives you for all your sins. Where sin increases, grace increases ever more. But wait, wait just a minute. I mean, if, if you really embrace that, then you're going to go and be outrageous in your sinning, maybe. If you really believe that he can forgive you for everything, you might go and just send a ton. Um, yeah, you're probably already sending a ton. <laughs> when we cheapen that, when we shrink it, when we make it less than what it is, well, sophomore year in high school. All right. I was, it was uh, like the week before school started. And this is the week that you do like the emotional prepping for school, which means you go shopping for clothes. And I went to my dad. We didn't have a lot of money. I knew we didn't have a lot of money. I knew that clothes shopping was always this kind of, it, it was crazy. But I went to him, I said, look, I don't care about pants or shirts. Like I'll go to school naked. Just would you please get me the latest version of Nike's? I just want those Nikes. It's all I want. I'll, you know, please. And he goes, okay, let me think about it. And they were expensive. They were the new Nikes. I can't even remember what they were. But he came home that week with a shoebox and called me and he says, hey, Randy, got you covered. And I was like, yes. He said, I couldn't afford the Nikes. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he said, so I went to Kmart. No. <laughs> Lots of good people shop at Kmart, all right? I'm not dissing Kmart. Uh, If your name is Mr. Kmart, I'm not dissing you, okay? But he goes, these are the Nike knockoffs. They look just like them. I open up the box and I'm like, no, they don't. They don't look anything like those Nikes. But they were the only shoes I had. So here, let me tell you, it was, they had, I don't know how to describe it, but like the toe right here, It had like a rubber like like on the toe, and it almost looked like somebody had taken bubble gum and just kind of blown it up on the toe. And I wore them to first day schools, and my buddies see me walking up, and literally this came out of their mouth: "Wow, where'd you get the bubble shoes?" I've not forgiven them for a whole year. My name was Bubble Boy. The point that I'm trying to make is knockoffs aren't nearly as good as the original. When we cheapen things, we're not settling. We're going in a completely different direction. And if you're going to shrink the forgiveness of Jesus for your life, just be prepared for this to be the most boring experience of your life following this Jesus. Because you're going to spend a lot of time trying to get better and trying to prove to him that you are better. See, because let me tell you something, and if you don't know this, It's because you don't know the people around you. You're a lot worse than you think you are. You don't know the depth of how bad you are. And until I explore that and I'm willing to embrace that, I'll never be able to embrace the grace that comes with that, which is I'm more loved than I could ever possibly imagine. They go hand in hand. I mean... Talk to people that have made huge mistakes in their lives and have have received forgiveness. They are some of the most loving people you'll ever experience because they know the depths of their heart, but they also now know the depths of love. That is Jesus forgive me. Love that part, don't you? The second part, not so much so. Forgive us our debts in just the exact same way as we forgive other people. In Colossians chapter 3, this is verse 12 through 14, if you're taking notes. There's a lot to digest in 30 minutes. But therefore, as God's chosen people, which if you know Christ, you are, you're holy, you're dearly loved. He says, because those things are true, clothe yourself with compassion. You have been given the clothes of compassion. You've been given the clothes of kindness. You've been given the clothes of humility and gentleness and patience. Jesus has brought all those things to you because of grace and forgiveness. And he says, because you wear all those things, bear with each other and forgive one another as you have grievances against someone. And listen to what he says. Here it is again. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know why we have to stop there because forgiveness is hard and you know why it's hard because it costs too darn much it costs too much if i'm going to forgive not just with my head you know like when your mom brought you in the room and said you got to forgive your little sister and you go i forgive you i'm not talking about like that mindless heartless I'm talking about forgiveness where intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, in my soul, I am giving forgiveness. It costs too much because that's what forgiveness is. In Matthew chapter 18, Peter came to Jesus and he said, okay, so how many times do I have to do that a day? And so he gave him like a number, like... I'm going to give him this number, but I know he's going to come in way under it, you know? Uh, So he's kind of setting Jesus up. And he said, seven times a day? And Jesus says, no, no, Peter, (laughs) 77 times, which is a number of infinity. He says, Peter, you think thinking way too small. I'm Jesus, you know, and I think big. So 77, endless, as many times as someone sins against you, that's how many times you give forgiveness. He says, Peter, let me tell you a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a king who wanted to settle a with a servant. And he began the settlement, and a man who had owed him 10,000 bags of gold. It's like a billion, billion dollars, all right? This guy owed this king 10,000 bags of gold. And since he wasn't able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold and repay the debt, customary. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him and he said, Please be patient with me, he begged. I will pay everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. The only good response to this passage of scripture is, You gotta be kidding me. Come on. So the servant owed this guy a billion dollars and he gets on his knees and he does this, Please, please don't. And the servant goes, Ah, King goes, Okay. Don't worry about it. You don't need to return me a billion (laughs) dollars. Forgiving somebody when they sin against you, it's paying a debt. It's paying their debt. What I'm saying when I forgive you is I'm going to pay in my head, my heart, my soul, and my actions instead of making you pay. I'm gonna let you off the hook, and the way I'm gonna do it is to put me on the hook. It's expensive, it costs. Andre Sue Peterson, the author wrote, it, wrote about it this way. Forgiveness is a brutal mathematical transaction done with fully engaged facilities. It's my pain instead of yours. I eat the debt. I absorb the misery I want to dish out on you and you go scot-free. Beware the forgiveness that's tendered soon after injury. Be suspicious because real forgiveness needs a time lag for it's wroth in a private agony before it ever comes to public amnesty. All true acts of courage are thus done in secret. That last line we could talk about for an hour. If If you're gonna forgive... You're paying the price and that's hard, but it doesn't stop there. It gets better. When you forgive, you also make promises. Like you promise never to bring this up again and hold it over them in a relationship. It's not something you keep in your back pocket as weapons to use, to manipulate, to control other people. That's not forgiveness. That's just, I'm not gonna talk about it for a while. So promise is, I'm not going to bring it up again. Promise also that I'm not going to gossip about you, that I'm not going to tell stories about you to satisfy some part of me that wants you to really secretly pay for what you did, and I'm unwilling to make that payment. And it's also a promise, and this one's hard. I am not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to make you pay in my heart over and over and over again. I'll pay it. Wow. So when Renee and I were in graduate school, we had both graduated and we decided that uh, we probably need a car that runs. And so we took what little money we had and we found a car and I went to the guy and I was really nervous. I'm like, I don't know. Like, are you sure the car's in good shape? And he goes, I promise. I said, well, I'd love a mechanic to look at it. And he goes, you ought to send him to my mechanic because he's worked on the car its entire life. And I said, that seems fair. And he goes, i tell you what, I'll send the car over to the guy, and I'll have him call you tonight. And the guy called me tonight. He says, the car is amazing. It's in great shape. He said, if I, if I had the money, I'd buy it myself. I'm like, wow, okay, that's great. So I go the next day, and I buy the car. I'm driving it home back to the campus. Breaks down. I'm not exaggerating this. I call him when I get home. And I say, hey, man, the car you just sold me broke down. And he started laughing. He goes, buyer, beware. He says, the engine crack is, the engine block is cracked. It's yours now, buddy. Hung up. Oh, my goodness. Him and his mechanic conspired to cheat me. A seminary graduate. Like, I'm going to be a preacher. Do you know what it takes for somebody to cheat a preacher? I called down God's fire on his house. He broke out in boils. He came to me a week later begging, please release this curse that you've brought down on my head. (laughs) No, I don't think Jesus cared about that guy. Who he cared about was me. And he put me in a situation where I had to wrestle with the reality that I have to forgive this guy. And this is what I learned. And this is what I'm passing on to you. It's not just paying the debt. And it's not just making promises, but forgiveness is a process. For some of you, because you're better than me, it's an event. But for most of us, we forgive someone, it's an event. I forgive you, but that's not the end of the matter. Every time I remember the offense, I must continue to forgive you. I forgive you and will continue to forgive you, and I will not act on my sinful desires for revenge. We forgive and we keep striving to forgive. I think that was, that's what Jesus meant when he said 77 times because when somebody really hurts me and I'm going to do the hard work of really forgiving them it's all day long all week long for that guy it was a year of every time he would come to heart and I would get angry and I would go, "Lord, I forgive him. Teach me to forgive. Let me pay the price." So, let's go back to the story of Matthew chapter 18. I'm almost done. Or should I say, you're almost done. I've been in this all week, so I should make you suffer in it just a little bit longer. The Lord's been doing work on me. I got to tell you, you know, uh, if you couldn't think of somebody to forgive, um, you may be too young. Because the older you get, your list gets long. Yes? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. Anybody here? Can I get an amen from anybody that's over the age of 30? (laughs) Has anybody been married more than six months? (laughs) If we go back to the story of Matthew chapter 18, maybe you've read the story before. This servant who was forgiven billions went out into the streets and he saw a guy, another servant who owed him 10 bucks. And he goes, hey, buddy, pay up. And the guy said the exact same thing that that servant had said to the master. I don't have it. Please forgive me. Have mercy on me. I will work it off. And he grabbed him by the throat and he goes, no. And he threw him into prison. And when the master heard this, he said, go get that guy and bring him back. Listen to what happened. Then the master called the servant in and he looked at him. and he says, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I've had on you? In other words, the magnitude of what was forgiven you should have given you a magnitude of grace for even a smaller offense. And what Jesus is saying here is your offense against God is so much greater than any offense anybody's ever going to give you on this side of heaven. The comparison, it's not even there. And we all know that, but (laughs) I know we're worse than we think we are. Remember. All right. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owes. And this next line, if this doesn't make you stop in your tracks, I don't know what will today. Listen to what Jesus says to us. This is how your heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. Can I say that again? This is how your heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Whew. Whoa. Whew, the game just changed. So what does that mean? Does that mean that if I don't forgive, I'm not forgiven? No. Jesus went to the cross, not me. Does that mean that the way I get into heaven is I become forgiving to everybody? No, that's not the way you get into heaven. You don't stay out of heaven because you're lousy at forgiving. You stay out of heaven because you have a lousy Savior. But if you have Jesus as your Savior, he's getting you in. So what is this talking about? See, when Christ rose from the dead, he comes into our lives and helps us rise from the dead. And when I was spiritually dead and now I've been made spiritually alive christ is in me the hope of glory in fact now i become the temple of the holy spirit god is so immensely interested in me he has taken up residency inside of me in fact i'm in a new family now and the blood of my new family is coursing through my veins and jesus is saying if that's true about you then forgiveness now is your nature Giving radical forgiveness is your nature because it's our Savior's nature and his nature now is in me. <laughs> what Jesus is trying to do is he's like trying to wake us up and say, do you know who you are? Do you not know who you are? Like, it's like, when we start walking away, Jesus is going this way and we're walking this way. It's like we're walking against gravity because we're walking against the very thing that has transformed us and is trying to mature us into his way. And sometimes in our lives, when we start feeling pain and we're like, oh, this is life so hard and we're suffering all kinds of things. It's not because something's wrong. It's because something's right is trying to drag you back into who you are. I love this illustration. Even though I've used it so many times, you're going to go, not that one again. But that show, you know, I didn't know I was pregnant. Have you seen this? Where (laughs) women go into the emergency room going, I'm dying, I'm dying, and they know, know you're in labor. I didn't know I was pregnant. That is the life of the spirit. It's what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. That's the spirit inside of you that is nudging you and giving birth to something new in your life. But right now over here, it feels like pain, but in reality, it's birthing a reality and a newness to life that is going to set you free to your purpose and what he's called you to do. And if I'm a, if I'm a spirit man, if I know Christ, I'm a spirit man or a spirit woman, then I begin to understand that the spirit is actively leading me every day. Well, I don't ever hear it. Why? That's a great question. What do you hear? It's a long day. Ugh. There's so much going on. Oh, my relationship's so hard. Oh, could it be the Holy Spirit is nudging you now and going, come on over this way. Right, that's a different sermon, sorry. But you realize in Ephesians chapter four, it says if that's true about you, if you're in Christ, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage and get rid of all anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. In other words, quit going this way. Turn around and do what? Be kind, because kind courses through your veins. Be compassionate, because Christ, by the power of his Holy Spirit, has brought compassion into your life. Be compassionate to one another. And forgive each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. In the same way that Jesus is pouring forgiveness on you, pour it on others. And for those of you here that know Jesus, you may not know this forgiveness. We invite you to that. When you smell it, you know it. When you see it, you know it. When you taste it, you know it. Back in 2018, maybe you heard this story. Amber Geiger was a police officer and she had just got off her shift and she went home uh, to her apartment complex. And for whatever reason, inadvertently, she walked into the wrong apartment. And when she walked in, she walked into Botham John's apartment Thinking that he was an intruder, she pulled her service revolver, and she shot him dead. Do you remember the story? That there were protests in the streets. Another black man killed by a police officer. Everybody was protesting. It was insanity. Uh, and she was going to be tried. And they were, they were shouting in the streets for her to go to prison for the rest of her life. What she did was horrific. Um, what this family endured is horrific. Horrific. But before the judge sentenced her, uh, one of the family members asked to take the stand and say some words before the sentencing. Maybe you've seen this. It's all over the internet. But Botham John's little brother gets up on the stand and he looks over at her and he says, I forgive you. And he turned to the judge and he says, can I hug her? The judge said, ah, uh, boo. Okay, he got up from the witness stand, went over and she fell into his arms. Even the attorney said, we've never seen anything like that. Church, we know what that is, don't we? We smell it, we know it, we've tasted it. And when we, when we smell that in the air, we know what it is. And then the judge sentenced her to 10 years, which there was more protest. But after sentencing her, the judge came down and hugged her and gave her her personal Bible. Because it's almost like when we see forgiveness, it becomes contagious, and grace builds on grace. But listen to the father of Botham, what he said. He said, I was proud of my son. I'm proud of what he did, because I felt the same way. John's father said, exactly what my son was thinking that's what i was thinking i would have loved to have said to her you've hurt our family we are sad and we are broken but i forgive you if we stopped right there we would go unbelievable but it's the next few words that now smells a lot like jesus listen to what he says i forgive you and i would like to be your friend and I'd like to get to know you. I know. Because f- forgiveness doesn't stop with I'm paying the debt and letting you off the hook and making promises in an ongoing process. Forgiveness moves to, my heart now has compassion toward you. Now, let me just say this. Okay, some of you have gone through things I don't know about that wicked, evil people have hurt you in ways. And when I say moving toward compassion, I'm not saying that you don't have boundaries around your life and you let them come back in. I'm not saying that. In fact, love has boundaries. And people that tell you that love has no boundaries, be careful. Beware of them. Love does have boundaries. And Jesus lets you have those boundaries in the way that you love. So I'm not saying that an abuser then should be a part of your life anymore. I am not saying that at all. I'm saying Jesus is concerned about you and for you to now have compassion and wish them well is a part of the healing process. And so as I've meditated on this all week, forgive forgive us our debts in the exact same way that I forgive those who have debts against me I, st- I told Jesus this morning, I think I know how to pray this prayer in one word. And it's, it's the hardest prayer to ever pray. Uh, and it's the easiest prayer to forget. And it's help. Help. What you did for me is unbelievable. I don't know how to do that. Help. You have to work through me. What's impossible for me is possible for you. See why this kind of sets our prayer life on fire? Because now it gets very real, very personal, very fast. So, we're about to pray. And I'm going to encourage you to take the first step. That person that came to mind, those persons that came to mind, today, would you forgive them? Father, Your forgiveness is um, so freeing, so complete. Jesus, in myself, I don't have um, the ability to do that. But to remember that you have given me hope, power, and riches because of Christ in me. That I am not alone, that you are working in and through me that which is well pleasing to you, and you're capable of taking me where I could never go on my own. Would you help me forgive right now? I know I may have to forgive a thousand times again before this day's over, but for right now, I forgive them, and I'm willing to pay the price that I want them to pay and let them off the hook. Help us, we pray, Jesus. Help, help, help. And lead us to this life that you have made us for. Life to the very full. In Christ's name we pray, amen.